A white man? No! Welcome to the NSUB is a white man. I'm Sarah. And I'm Emily. And we are back with another Criminal Minds recap. Boy, are we. (laughs) (laughs) This isn't... So I remembered parts of this, but not it exactly. Um, And what a treat. What a treat to go in a little bit cold. (laughs) Yeah. See what you did there. Uh, Yep. Um, I do feel like they have an underutilized guest star, for sure. Yeah. Which is just so strange to me, but why? Why would you even like take this job? With I don't know. I'm getting ahead. Maybe if you just had like ten minutes of spare time, I guess you were gonna make you know like fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, I was gonna say more money than we make in a year Mm -hmm. to be on the show for a couple of minutes. That's probably true. Yeah. Why not? Um, We are talking about Cold Comfort, which originally aired February eleventh, two thousand nine. What a great Valentine's Day episode. Oh yeah. Love is in the air. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I don't know what to say without giving too much away, so I guess we might as well just start, right? Just get into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So this one starts out, and there's a detective, and uh, they don't tell you where it is right off the bat, but you assume the Pacific Northwest because of the driving rain. Yes, (laughs) yeah. has that sense of being unending rain. Mm -hmm. Um, So he goes over the whiteboard and marks a woman as being deceased underneath her picture. Uh, There's three other missing girls photos up on the whiteboard Mm -hmm. and the mother of one of them comes in to see him and he tells her that the body they found was not her daughter she's still missing and the mother asks for her daughter's necklace back because she wants it to take it to a psychic who might be able to offer some insights right off the bat you're like oh no this is so sad already yeah uh, so meanwhile, at the BAU, Prentice and Morgan are arguing the validity of horoscopes with Garcia and Kevin. Yes, this is so good. Yeah. It's, uh, it's like fun banter. Uh, but mm-hmm. the important thing is that JJ is back. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. Um, and Thank God. She, she has a new fancy ring, too, that somebody comments on. And she says yeah. it's uh, Henry's birthstone and that she and Will both got them. Yeah, and she's got the new mom haircut. Yeah. And I really hope that Will's ring look exactly like JJ's. I know, like matching ones. Yeah, it's like the same setting and everything. Um, So she's got a new case for them. There are four blonde women that have gone missing in Olympia, Washington, and one of them just turned up in a state park embalmed. Hmm. Hmm. Um, So they assume reasonably that there must be more bodies out there. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, then we get our first quote. And so all the night tide, I lay down by the side of my darling, my darling, my life and my bride in the sepulcher there by the sea in her tomb by the sounding sea from Annabelle Lee by Edgar Allan Poe. Which were you cut? Look, it's a good choice, right? For this to mm-hmm. use Ed- Edgar Allan Poe. But don't you think there were better quotes they could have used from him? Yeah. For this? Yeah. I just thought it was such a, an odd choice. I don't well, know. I get why they t- do by the sea. By the sea? Yeah, I Everything get it. Everything they do has to be on the nose. It's so <laughs> on the nose. I just feel like there were better quotes that Even fit from the that circumstances. Poem. Yes. 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I had to memorize that entire poem in my ninth grade English class. So oh, as soon God. as you started saying it, I was like twitching <laughs> <laughs> took forever. Uh, so we get a quick recap of the embalming process. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so gross. Yep. Yeah. Um, and on the plane, they're like, uh, and brainstorming people who might have knowledge and ability to do that. Um, but people with a background in mortuary science is third on their list of possibilities. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they don't go straight to that. They're like, it could be a doctor, a nurse maybe, maybe someone who professionally <laughs> embalms people. It's like, yeah, I would think sure, a, sure. a you know, mortician would have more knowledge and ability to do that than a doctor, but okay. But all right. Uh, Prentice thinks that embalming is weird in general, not just as a serial killer MO. And I agree with that wholeheartedly because yeah. it really grosses me out. Yeah, it's very unsettling. Yeah. Um, Hotch wants to know why someone would want to embalm a victim. I like the same reason anyone embalms any- anyone yeah. <laughs> is to make the body last longer, Hotch. Um, Hotch can't imagine wanting to be around someone for an extra amount of time. Right? <laughs> That's true. Um, so Rossi, uh, you know, is very polite when he <laughs> explains it to him. Uh, Rossi is very good at politely explaining the obvious to people, yeah. I've noticed. Politely explaining why you're an idiot? Yeah. yeah. Um, Morgan says it could speak to a fear of abandonment, and Reed says that eventually even an embalmed body will start to decay, and that's when he goes looking for another victim. Um, so this means that at least two of the three remaining women are almost certainly dead, Mm -hmm. which is a bummer. Um, so out in a forest that looks absolutely nothing like the Pacific (laughs) Northwest. They have uh, the same stock woods footage for everything. Oh, it's so great. Um, yeah, they, uh, are looking for more bodies and Morgan finds a gold cross necklace. Yeah. I just love that. There's like all these people searching everywhere and they walk into the woods and Morgan just finds Steps something right it. at his feet. Yeah. yeah. He's like, Oh, have like, I looked wow. down? Here's one. Here's a clue. <laughs> <laughs> um, Reed, who is just hilariously dressed for a hiking expedition. Yeah. Do you see how muddy his feet are? Oh, my God, I was dying. Yeah, he just looks ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, he says that uh, after they find the other body, um, he says that the killer can't dismember the bodies because he cares for them. Mm. He like says it as like a revelation. Because oh, yeah. they're talking about how hard it would be to drag an embalmed body. 20 pounds of dead weight yeah. out into the middle of the woods, which mm-hmm. is very true. That would be incredibly yeah. difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's like, obviously he cares for them. He's embalming them. Yeah. <laughs> He's already doing a lot of extra work. Yeah. Uh, so Hotch and Prentice discuss the case with the detective and decide that um, since this unsub is likely patronizing the workplaces of his victims before taking them, which is like... Um, a high-end spa and a really nice restaurant. Mm -hmm. Um, He must have money. Yeah. Um, Hotch asks to see the necklace that they found at um, the abduction site of the latest missing girl, whose name is Brooke. Uh, But the detective says that he returned it to the mother and then tells him about the psychic. And Hotch, the look on Hotch's face, like he gives Prentice this look. It's like... Yeah. I don't even know how to describe it. Yeah. Like he just, he thinks so He's little like of this, this man. Fucking guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so Brooke's mother gives a press conference appealing to the unsub. 
Uh, Rossi says that the psychic shouldn't be out there giving people false hope. And JJ seems to be kind of open to the idea of psychics, but Rossi shuts it down pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> he is yeah. not interested. Um, Rossi <laughs> goes to interview Brooke's mother. And like his line of questioning, it was like, do you know of any men that did not ask your daughter out on a date? Yeah. <laughs> it, was like, it was just so, she's like, oh, she got asked out sometimes. And he's like, no, no, no. I'm specifically talking about men who didn't ask yeah. your daughter like, out. And you're like, what? Yes. She often mentions things that never happened to yeah. me. Uh, I And I also, I hate, it's like a trope in TV and movies where, you know, the, the, bigger agency comes in and re-interviews the witness and they're like, I already told this to the first guy. I'm like, but you understand why you need to say it again, right? Like everybody understands yeah. how this works. And it's so annoying to me when they do that. Like, like you know we're not affiliated. Right. And like it's a, a new set of ears listening to information that you might deliver in a slightly different way. Like yeah. you know how detective work works in general that – you wouldn't be like, there's no use. Read it in the report. You don't need to hear also, it from like, me. Also, like, if your kid was missing, don't you think you would want to tell every detail of everything to every single person that Who would, would listen? listen? Yes. <laughs> yes. Just I found in this hopes so that maybe annoying. somebody would pick up on something that would be helpful. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, uh, the psychic tries to jump in and Rossi tells him to just shut up. Yeah. <laughs> um, the psychic points out that lots of people think that profiling is bullshit too. Not <laughs> like, wrong. Oh, touche bullshit psychic. <laughs> um, and then we learn that they've found the last remaining body, not Brooks, but the yeah. other missing person. Um, at the morgue, uh, the coroner tells Morgan and Reed that, that the women were drugged and then embalmed alive. Uh. Which, um, they also had their hair cut and their ears double pierced. Mm -hmm. um, and then the coroner does the thing where she's like <laughs> dancing around mm -hmm. the subject instead of just coming out and saying it like you would yeah. if you were discussing autopsy results. Like mm -hmm. it's very clinical. Like, yeah. But she's like, um, there weren't exactly signs of sexual assault, but there were traces of semen. And Reed's like, what do you mean? Yeah. Reed's like, so it was consensual? And everyone in the room was like, no. No. <laughs> Morgan has to explain to him that the killer is also a necrophile. Yeah. Everyone is <laughs> just like blinking slowly at Reed. Like, you're going to make us say it out loud. Yeah. Like, we're trying so hard. And this was the point that I finally remembered this episode. Up until this point, I was like, is it this or is it that? Or there's shockingly a few episodes that, <laughs> that could have been. Yeah. <laughs> uh, JJ points out that the psychic said that Brooke felt tired and heavy, which would align with being drugged with barbiturates, mm. um, which I... Had a real time spelling. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would think at this point, four or almost four whole seasons in, you'd be a pro at spelling barbiturates. I no, feel like they bring like them up all the time. There's just an extraneous R in it. Yeah. Barbiturates. Yeah, it's one of those words. <laughs> it was like, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> like anytime you try to spell hors d'oeuvres, you yeah. know? I still can't spell that. <laughs> it's nonsense. <laughs> um, Rossi uh, shuts JJ down, tells her to knock it off, um, and then also calls Garcia and tells her to run a background check on the psychic. Mm. Um, Which, then, you know, like the lowest form of human, right? To like prey on these families in such a vulnerable position. It just makes my skin crawl. Yeah. It's just gross. It's gross. It's yeah. so gross. 
Uh, but then we get our profile. Yo, do we ever. So, by now, we know the DNA found on the victims does not match anyone in the system, so we're going to have to look beyond physical evidence to identify the killer. Just shaking my head. Like, okay. All right. (laughs) Our unsub is a white male in his mid to late 20s, and he has money. He lives alone in a large residence. There's enough space and ventilation to accommodate an embalming suite. He's awkward with people, especially women. An inability to relate socially is common in homicidal necrophiliacs. Because of the alterations to the bodies, we believe the unsub is attempting to recreate a woman he once loved. A girlfriend, a wife, a mother, someone who left or died suddenly. (sighs) Here's where it gets wordy. This projection of a loved one, coupled with his need to preserve the victims through embalming, is similar to the psychopathy of serial murderer Ed Gain. Gain, I know. (laughs) Gain had an Oedipal complex, which he developed in the years he nursed his paralyzed mother back from a stroke. After she died, his obsession compelled him to dig up corpses of women who resembled his mother. So persistent was his desire to resurrect his dead mother that he actually dressed in female suits fashioned from human skin. Eventually, Gain grew tired of dead bodies whose skin had a tendency to dry and crack, so he shifted his focus to live victims whose bodies he could better preserve. (sighs) Now that we've taken that detour. I know, which is like... It's just an excuse for them to talk about a serial killer they think people have heard of. I hate when they do that. I know. And like, it doesn't really have anything to do with it, anything. And it's like, Ed Gain only killed like two people. Yeah. I know he did a lot of other really, really weird and gross stuff. Right. But like... And and what he did is really not in any way related to the case that the BAU is talking about. No. I mean, tenuously, sure. Yeah. I guess they've made greater leaps in the past, but whatever. They love a tenuous connection. It's true, <laughs> sure they do. The evolution from dead to live victims will also be mirrored in our unsubs maturation. We've put together a list of incident reports prior to 2006. You're going to want to follow up on these. Now they are inappropriate uh, inappropriate postmortem conduct, cadaver theft, and graveyard disturbances. 60% of necrophiles work in the death business, so be sure to canvas local cemeteries, mortuaries, and morgues. And since we have the killer's DNA, we're going to be sending you out with kits to swap potential suspects. The odds of finding Brooke Lombardini alive are slim, but the quicker we identify the killer, the better the chances are. For her sake, let's work fast. Yeah. So they're quickly going to go out and DNA swab as many people in the greater Olympia <laughs> as they can quickly. Uh, yeah, so uh, Reed gives us a fun statistic, which is 60% of necrophiles work in the death business, yes. which it's like, first of all, how do you know that? Secondly, <laughs> I mean, I guess probably because... They're around dead people Because most people don't have access yes. to a dead body. Yeah. Um, But yeah, the team goes out to talk to everyone in the Olympia area death business. Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. Reed talks to a guy at a cemetery who tells him about a grave that was ransacked and all of the personal effects of the body were taken, like the Mm -hmm. clothes, the jewelry, everything. Um, We don't look into that further. We move right along. And it's it's not a red flag that these aren't things that are like, these aren't valuable items. These are sentimental items Mm -hmm. to someone, but they're not concerned at all about this. This robbery in any form. Moving along. Yes. Uh, Then Hotch goes and talks to a mortician who tells them about the super weird apprentice he had who liked to put wigs on the bodies and he liked to do their makeup. 
which is don't su- all of them do that's have their the makeup job. done? <laughs> <laughs> like, I know it's supposed to sound creepy. The uh-huh. wig thing is weird. The wig right? thing is yes, okay. That's that weird. is weird and creepy. But like, but ostensibly, you would think that you would get some not enjoyment, but like satisfaction, satisfaction yeah. out of doing that job mm-hmm. because that is the job, right? Right. <laughs> like, uh, but yeah, he makes it seem like it's. Is this the worst thing? Also, the the guy who says like they keep all the weird stuff quiet. Yeah, like the they're like, did you report them? The business, quote unquote, has to keep things quiet. Everything in this business. I was like the Catholic Church. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So anyway, Hutch read or Hutch and Prentice and the detective had off to talk to the weirdo uh, who won't let them in the house because mother is sleeping. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I get it. This guy is super weird. Big old red flag. Uh-huh. Um, they do a background check on this guy whose name is Ivan after the fact, not before they go and talk uh-huh. to him. But okay, Aren't sure. they also really accusatory to him, like when they show up at his door? Yeah. And, and they know and, nothing about him except right. that this one guy said that he liked to put makeup on dead people, which was part what of he had job. been hired to do. Yes. Um, I just find it so <laughs> strange. Like, what do you think you're going to get out of this interaction when you're like, well... We're here because you're a necrophiliac and we think you kidnapped someone and you have her in there right now. How, is he just going to be like, oh, shucks. You guys <laughs> you caught got me. me. Why would he lie? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess I'll just let her out now. Like, that doesn't seem like a good tactic yeah. for getting and this woman back and, alive. And you didn't even background check someone before you went to go talk to them? Yeah. That's like just bad police work. I mean, doesn't that, isn't that how they get themselves into all these situations anyways? They just show up blind and then, like, Reed's getting forcibly injected with drugs and... Usually, yeah. Somebody's being attacked and... Uh, but, uh, yeah, so they find out after they talk to him that mm-hmm. he had been kicked out of college for giving his girlfriend tranquilizers and having sex with her while she was sleeping. Mm-hmm. Like, that would have been a good thing to know beforehand. Uh-huh, uh-huh, um, uh-huh. But Hotch and Prentice say that he's... Uh, kind of a red herring because he's not rich enough to be the unsub and that looking into him any further is a waste of time. Um, A 911 call comes in from someone claiming to be Brooke Lombardi. The mother confirms that it's her voice, um, but Rossi tells her not to get her hopes up um, and also that her beloved psychic was arrested for fraud in Oregon before moving to Washington. Weird. Yeah. An untrustworthy psychic. And the mother says that she just needs her daughter to be alive. And JJ tries to shame Rossi for being real with her. And it's like, JJ, you're maybe not ready to be back here. Uh-huh. Maybe you needed that extra three That's weeks. That's what I was just going to say. <laughs> what, what sane person leaves their maternity leave three weeks early, right? Yeah. I would still be on maternity leave right now if I could be. <laughs> I know. Um, but yeah, the unsub uh, cuts Brooke's hair. And calls her Abby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, a, in, in not a good way. It's quite unsettling. Yes. <laughs> um, so the team wonders why the unsub is keeping Brooke alive and wonders if he's trying to brainwash his victims into becoming the person he wants them to be. And then we hear the unsub asking, uh, asking Brooke to tell, her a, or tell him a story. Um, she just keeps saying, I'm not Abby. And then she notices her haircut and her new earrings and... He's like, like behind this grate or something. Yeah. And she like throws something at it and he it, just shuts it up. And so she's closed up in the dark again. It looks very much like um, if you're Catholic, the like confessional a confessional screen. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Not that I've ever been in a confessional, <laughs> but that's what they look like on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, so the uh, psychic shows up at the station with the detective and Rossi yells at the detective for bringing him here. And they're like, can we please stop involving this man? 
Uh, the psychic shakes JJ's hand and tells her congratulations and points to his ring finger. And JJ looks down at the large sparkly ring she's mm-hmm. wearing and is like, he knew. How did he know? And you're like, what? Like this anybody is not some with any observation yeah. happening, like anyone with uh, decent observation skills can tell you're wearing a new ring. You have a new mom haircut. You're probably a little got. You probably look tired. Yeah, got like the whole new mom look thing going on. Like, yeah, that's easy to tell. Yeah, it's just it's ridiculous, especially because their entire line of work hinges on being able to notice small behavioral details. Right, but for some reason... But if somebody else can do it and they're not a profiler... She's not either. Yeah, but like if it's somebody who's like, you know, if Rossi does it, it's profiling. If the psychic does it, then she's like, well, he must really be psychic. And you're like, no, he's just noticing shit the same way that these other people are. Right, right. But he's using it to defraud people. It's so... (laughs) The whole tone is so weird because JJ is so desperate to believe it and they're trying to paint Rossi as like such a downer. And he won't even, like, let this woman have hope. Like, But it's like sometimes that's the worst thing you can give someone right. is false hope. Why would he lie to her? Yeah. Why would he lie? Why would he lie? Uh, so Brooke wakes up with a, in a, uh, t- like tied to a rocking chair with mm-hmm. a book in her lap. And the unsub asks her to read the story. Um, she doesn't do it right. She's not doing the voices. Mm-hmm. And he yells at her that he wants Abby. And she just breaks down and starts crying and says she'll be Abby. She'll be anyone he wants her to be. So, oh. Like, oh, poor Brooke. Uh, so the detective, meanwhile, has arrested Ivan the weirdo trying to cross the border into Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Rossi asks what they got off the wig, and the detective says, enough to know he's one sick puppy. Oh, boy. What does that even mean? I don't know. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Uh, interrogating Ivan, the detective says that he might be the sickest person they've ever investigated. <laughs> You're like, okay. Did um, you find it odd that the local guy was taking such a heavy hand in the interrogation with Prentice? Of Ivan, right? Like usually, if they let the local guy in, they're just like they're on like the background. periphery. Yeah, yeah. But this guy was like taking charge. I don't, I don't know. know. I thought Maybe it was they strange. were good cop, bad copping again. Maybe. But he also in <laughs> that this, worked so well the last time. <laughs> in this interview, Ivan says that he likes to crack open a cold one. He says he is not the only guy in yeah. town who oh likes God. to crack open a cold one. And then I just wrote like blah in all caps for like. Five real time minutes because it's just so gross. Yeah, I can't. Like, how did the detective not just like smack him? Yeah, just like (laughs) just bitch slap him right across the face. I can't believe Prentice would stand for this kind of language. (laughs) Yeah, disgusting. (laughs) So gross. Uh, Ivan is adamant that he does not kill people, and he says that for him, it's not even the wig that's the important part. It's the shoes, Mm -hmm. because he was obsessed with some weather girl who died in a car accident, and his friend at the morgue stole her shoes for him, so he would put the shoes on the body. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mm -hmm. this reminds Reed of this little grave robbery (laughs) he heard about one time. Uh, the dress and the earrings were stolen from the body, and they wonder if the killer also needed something that belonged to the object of his affections. Huh. I can't believe they have to hear this crap from Ivan before they come up with this plan. Yeah. They just wanted to use the line, crack open a door. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so they learned that the grave belonged to Abigail Hansen, who was an au pair from Amsterdam, who died suddenly from a heart defect at 26 mm-hmm. and worked for a family uh, called with the Gless family. Yes. Um, so that's all they needed just right there. Mm-hmm. Could have found that out 
a day ago. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and they never would have had to deal with Ivan again. <laughs> but here we are. Um, so Brooke is now doing a more adequate job impersonating Abby. And the unsub goes in to give her a dress that he, I guess, got off a dead body. I guess That he so. dug up in a grave. Ew. Um, but a voiceover from Hotch says that when Brooke accepts her role, her fate is sealed. So they go to talk to the glasses. Finally. Finally. And we get to meet Mrs. Gless. Yes. Who is? Sybil Shepard. Yes. So there's our, I I can't, we can't say nineties, right? It's more, a little more eighties for Sybil Shepard probably. I don't know. Is it in the beginning of her, right? Well, Sybil Shepard on moonlighting with, well, Bruce yeah, Willis but in the then 80s? there was like she had her own show. That's true. She had Sybil in the nineties. That's true. Like, that's, that's what true. I knew her from because I didn't yeah. watch Moonlighting. Yeah. Um, all right, all right. She's another nineties star. Eighties and nineties. Yeah. yeah. Um, she stands the test of time. This one. That's true. <laughs> she does. Um, she is chilling. Yeah. In this, you're like, oh, no wonder your son is a serial killer. Uh huh. Yeah. And a necrophiliac. Yeah. yeah. This is. The strangest, coldest upbringing. Yeah. She uh, just very matter-of-factly tells Rossi, Hutch, and Prentice that Abigail practically raised their son and that they mm-hmm. were very close. Um, and the dad is like, oh, I wouldn't say that. And she's like, oh, really? What would you call it? And you're like, wow, like, you're we, just really we happy were never to... We were never around. Yeah. She's like very happy <laughs> to admit that they were terrible parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and also lets them know that they had been on a cruise when Abby died. Uh-huh. And Roderick was alone in the house with her body uh-huh. for two or three days. And when they got home, they found him just spooning the dead body on the floor of his bedroom. Yeah. And like that's and, how, uh, and he was like ten, yeah. I think they say, mm-hmm. right? And like that's how you can tell that something was already super fucked up about this kid because mm-hmm. you're not talking about a four year old, right? This is how knows a, to call nine one one. I have a ten year old, yeah, and my ten year old would know to mm-hmm. call nine one one if yeah. something happened. Yeah, my ten year old would know to like. Go to the neighbor's right. house and right. be like, there is an emergency. Like, mm-hmm. my kid yeah. who is that age yes. would not stay in a house. And just like, lay on the floor with your dead body yes. for days. And like, this poor kid was yeah. already so fucked up before mm-hmm. this even happened. Yeah. And Sybil Shepard just throws these facts, like, over her shoulder really nonchalantly, as if it's not some hugely terrifying, traumatic, even-to-hear-secondhand ordeal. Yeah. Like, this didn't even happen, and I'm having nightmares about it and all of the implications of everything leading Yes, yes, it just, like, makes you feel sick in your stomach. Yeah. Uh, She also says they haven't heard from Roderick in years, but his mother's not really surprised to hear that he might be a murderer. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, me neither, now knowing his backstory. Yeah. Um, His dad seems less convinced. Mm -hmm. Uh, She gives the team the last letter he wrote and the photo of Abby and Roderick, and the dad seems really upset. He's like, that's... That's the things we have left from our son. Yeah. <laughs> She's just like, here, take this too. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, we learned that Roderick's trust was emptied four years ago, but Morgan says that half a million bucks won't really go that far, and he must be supplementing his income somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, Reed points out that Roderick's letter was only addressed to his mother, and Rossi thinks that the dad might still be in contact with him, and JJ takes the letter. I'm like, oh, I wonder where she's going to go with that. <laughs> uh, Roderick fixes Brooke's hair and tells her that he missed her. Uh, he gives her a cup of tea and promises that it's the last time he's going to drug her. She's like, do you promise? And I'm like, oh, no, you don't want that. Yeah. 
like, come on, Brooke, you have to know something's wrong like, with you your tea. You could drug me more times as long as it means you're not going to kill me. Have you just <laughs> given up completely, Brooke? Yeah. Um, so he leads her down a hallway and imagines himself as a little boy again, and Brooke collapses collapses and he lays her down on an embalming table yeah. uh, so meanwhile JJ has taken the letter to the psychic who tells her that Roderick is near water really on the coast, on the of, coast of Washington, Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically he says near like a rocky shoreline um, as Ross- opposed to like a crystalline sandy beach mm-hmm. like you which would they find have there. many of yes. in, in Washington a yes. rocky shoreline huh. on the coast of Washington what um yeah, so uh, Ro- Rossi finds out that Patrick Gless is still sending Roderick money, like mm. $50,000 every six months or something. And I'm like, where do these people get this money? I know. Well, you know they're <laughs> what crazy. What are rich people's lives like? <laughs> <laughs> they have to be crazy rich because that, like everything that they've done to, to show us. Avo- like uh, abandon your child. Yeah, yeah. Um, Finish but, out the cruise even though you know your au pair died. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... Um, JJ points out that the family also has a water house, a waterfront house on Mercer Island. So she's like, listen, the psychic's onto something. Mm-hmm. Um, but the detective says that the 911 call originated from an area near the Western Union office where the money is wired because it's not wired to like uh, his actual address or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but neither one of those locations is anywhere near Mercer Island. And also that house is abandoned and nobody's been there. Um, so Hotch goes back to the dad and gets a location for Roderick's whereabouts. Um, and the team raids his warehouse or whatever. I don't understand. I don't know. Like, but it is perfect timing. Yeah. Uh, just as he's about to start the embalming pro- mm-hmm. process. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Very convenient. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, Roderick hallucinates her as Abby as they drag him away. And the paramedics revive Brooke using Narcan, which I don't, I don't think, think you that can works. do. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I wrote down too. Like, you can't use Narcan for barbiturates. No. Okay. Um, well, I'm glad we're all on the same page yeah. there. Uh, so Rossi says that the psychic is a hack, and Roch point. Roch. Roch. <laughs> Roch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just calling him crotch for now. Uh, Hotch points out a mural of a rocky shoreline on the oh. side of a building across the alley. It's like for like be- like a beer brand or something. Yeah, like that must have been. Must have been what the psychic like, meant. Sure, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we get our next quote. For those who believe, no proof is necessary. For those who don't believe, no proof is possible. Stuart Chase. Uh, back at the BAU office, JJ is getting coffee and Rossi tells her that he knows it's hard to come back, but she needs to have faith in what they do. And also tells her about a time that a uh, psychic derailed one of their investigations because he listened to the psychic mm-hmm. and the kid ended up dying. So that's why Rossi he hates, learned the hard way. Yeah. Hates psychics so much. And JJ will never make this mistake again. Mm-hmm. The end. <laughs> <laughs> and they all lived happily. It ever just after. ends very abruptly. <laughs> it does. It does. And I hate when they do that of like, they get the one piece of information they need and that's it. They immediately go and go to the place and. Yeah. You're like, look, you could have caught her like four days ago. If only you had looked into that grave robbery. No, no, no. Um, I was just looking because there's so many people in this episode that looked familiar to me. Um, Like um, Brooke's mom. 
looked yeah. so familiar. But she's in a bunch of Hallmark stuff recently. But I was trying to see it, what she was in for real before yeah. before she took the next <laughs> what step. What were your real jobs? Yeah. <laughs> Um, before she did all of that, she's one of those people that's like in everything. She was in Adventures in Babysitting and Now and Then and a whole bunch of stuff. But I'm pretty Ivan was sure- in a bunch of stuff too. Oh yeah, the creepy weirdo. Um, Mercedes McNabb, who played Brooke Lamborghini, was on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She was one uh, of the one of Spike and Drusilla's. I love that name. Mercedes McNabb. Yeah, it's sounds a good like one. it's from Dr. Seuss. Um, she <laughs> she was like a, one of uh, Charisma Carpenter's characters' friends who then becomes a vampire. So that's why. But it so you know, I like the connection that we also have Nicholas Brendan in this episode, and then Mercedes McNabb, even though they don't share any scenes together. Um, what was Ivan in? He was in a bunch, like uh, one of those uh, people. Yeah, one of those guys. Yeah. Like he was in Scrubs. Oh, okay. Um, I can't remember which doctor he was in Scrubs, but he was in like episodes of like Bones and mm. uh, The Mentalist and Grey's Anatomy, like one of those oh. you know, one episode yeah. storylines. Um, but he was also the MC of the pageant in Little Miss Sunshine. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which is extra weird because yeah, now he's a necrophile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah, yeah. What an episode. Um, did you remember this one going into it, like as soon as it started or before it started, or did you have to watch some of it? Um, I had to watch some of it. Yeah, I did too. But I got there. There was it's one of those ones where I was confusing it with other crime yeah. drama shows where a psychic comes in. Yeah. And was like, how does this one play out? Like, I also like when you know you look it up on IMDb, you see oh Sybil Shepherd's in it, and then that like made twisted my memory to try to make the part that she has bigger. Yeah, in my recollection of this episode, and it just isn't. So it goes to show that I shouldn't be looking it up really before I rewatch. I'm. I'm twisting my own, my own recollection of the show. Um, so how would you rate this profile as far as accuracy, plausibility, and helpfulness on I a mean, scale of 1 to 10? Again, pretty accurate mm-hmm. and plausible, but sure. it was like really stating the obvious kinds yeah. of things. It's yeah. like, okay, well, he's got to have a big enough place where he could have an embalming suite. Right. I'm like, okay, well, yeah, obviously. Like, yeah. or have access to one. But they said, like, a large house. Right. Like, he was in a warehouse. Yeah. Um, and also, I felt like they wasted a huge part of this profile just talking about Ed Gain in, instead of... It was filler. Like, yeah. the profile was mostly filler. And mm-hmm. then, again, it didn't do... Like, I guess maybe, like, the, like, connection where it's, like... No, I was going to say, like, uh, trying to, like, make the victims into mm. somebody. Mm. But like they didn't even make that connection until well after. creepy Ivan was talking about the shoes. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't part of the profile. But if they had actually used the profile and then looked into the grave robbery, yeah. they would have found this guy immediately. Because like that girl was like from Amsterdam. She didn't have anyone else, any other connections in this country at all. Yeah. yeah. Also, isn't it weird? I guess maybe she didn't have any family back home either. Yeah, I don't like. Can you imagine if your kid died overseas and just letting them be buried there and not not bringing them home? Yeah, yeah. I think they say that she didn't have any family. Yeah, but 
Yeah, it's like, (laughs) seriously, poor Abby's whole like legacy memory, everything. (laughs) Um, I think maybe like a five or a six, like it wasn't, it was not wrong. It just wasn't helpful. Yeah. It wasn't all that helpful. Yeah. Um, would you change anything to Hotch Watch? No, he's barely even in it. Yeah. It's another episode where it's like, oh, he didn't really do anything. Um, Again, all the Hotch Watch makes me realize is how little Hotch does. Yeah. We have one to nine and a half. He's definitely not back to a 10. Yeah. Like, when does he start actually being a part of the show? Yeah. I don't know. We're already four seasons in practically. Well, and like, obviously, we all know there's a pretty big storyline. Right. Where you're supposed to like feel Feel all this like empathy and connection like in the next season. And like right now I'm just like, I don't even care about Hodge because he's such a boring character. This is a really long season though. So this is what um, season four, episode 14. And there's like 26 episodes in this season. Yeah. So they've got time if they're going to try to pull something together here, I guess. Um, Yeah. Uh, so we have got another white man. Sure um, do. We sure do. So we're now at nine to five, sixty-four percent white men for season four, and we're up to seventy-three white men to fifteen not. So a solid. I'm not even doing any rounding. Eighty-three percent white men. Nice overall for the the series. Um, I I am. I will say more impressed with this season than I originally recalled in how di- diverse <laughs> nine to five, yeah, how diverse it has been thus far. But I feel like now we're starting to get into a pattern of white man, white man, white man for a while, but we'll see because I don't really recall. I sort of recall this the next, next episode. One. Yeah. Because <laughs> of not because of the, the serial killer part. Yes. Because of the other stuff. I think yes. uh, I love this one mm-hmm. because this is my like hometown episode. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so the um, the next episode is <laughs> Zoe's reprise. And you just have to love it when they try to make it seem like the team is in a place where they are not. And you know what that place is. Uh, yeah. to be like. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. I'm, so we'll get a, a good a lesson in geography in this next <laughs> one for sure. <laughs> You're already a stickler for geography and now this being your hometown episode. And especially this one, just the pronunciation yeah. places <laughs> is a uh, chef's kiss to Rossi. <laughs> oh. um, well, I guess I better go rewatch this episode. Yeah. Um, Wherever you're listening, be sure to leave us a five-star review. You can find us on Instagram at the unsub is a white man. You can get our merch on Redbubble. If you get anything, make sure you post on Instagram and tag us. We'll share you to our stories. Our theme music is composed and performed by Nate Youngblood, and the podcast is produced by Nate Youngblood. Thanks, Nate. And until next week, we'll be on the Rocky Shore.